the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It's an all football Monday, as you might imagine. Going to keep it brief and succinct and uh, targeted. Three areas of concern here. The Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs head to their offseason. The What's Next piece is now live on SpotTrack.com. We're going to talk about it here. Flip switch to the Philadelphia Eagles. The What's Next Philadelphia Eagles piece is now live on SpotTrack.com. We're going to talk about it here. And then, of course, Derek Carr. The expected outcome is about to be released officially from the Las Vegas Raiders preceding his February 15th guaranteed vesting date. What does that mean? Where do we go next? What is his next contract going to look like? That's the third piece to today's puzzle. It's an all NFL show. And let's start it now. Patrick Mahomes wins number two. The second league MVP, the second Super Bowl MVP, the second Super Bowl ring. Unprecedented territory for six years of a, of a career. And uh, we've talked many times about how the contract is just as unprecedented. It doesn't need repeating here. I've uh, laid some things out on Twitter the past couple of days. I did do a piece on it. I did do a podcast on it a couple of weeks ago when he kind of first pushed through this ankle issue and now has done so to the highest degree. This contract is going absolutely nowhere. I think both sides are pretty, pretty uh, good with it. Let's put it that way. And in terms of the off season, it does have some relevancy because there's a high cap hit, one of the highest cap hits in all of football. So it's at least worth discussing that they did not restructure him this year, this past year, 2022. So they're most likely going to restructure him this year. There's a $34.4 million roster bonus due in March. You convert that into a signing bonus over five years, and that frees up almost $27.6 million of cap space, much needed for a team that is somewhat up against it right now. You know, I think they've got about $5 million of top 51 cap space, and uh, that's going to change with some more futures. There's plenty more to talk about here because the notable free agents are interesting. All right, so let's say Mahomes frees up 27 and change right there. And I expect that, I fully expect that to happen, actually. The running back room could be okay. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco is a superstar, and he's a seventh rounder, and he's heading into year two. That's all you need to know about the value of that contract. If he stays healthy, that's going to be one of the best values in all of football. I'll, you know, the, the only next best thing is an undrafted free agent doing this. And the beauty of this is you get four years out of this contract. So there's three more minimum salary seasons ahead for Pacheco and the Chiefs, barring some kind of extension after 2024, which, you know, with running backs, who knows? The real talking point here is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who was a healthy scratch after coming back from injury, but obviously A, not being ready or B, not being needed in the Super Bowl yesterday. Um, first rounder back in 2020. We're heading into year four. It's fully guaranteed. It's $2 million. You know, they can free up that $2 million if they can find a trade partner, but that's a big if. There's a hell of a lot of free agents available in terms of running backs with, with experience. You know how the draft works. There's going to be four or five between the second and third round. It's a weird spot to be in. You know, they may just have to bite the bullet and keep this thing on the books, and, and that's perfectly fine. Um, he's just not a factor. You know, injuries and or a lack of production and or guys just coming in and running harder, flat out. But that's at least a name to consider on the roster bubble situation right now from, from trade purposes. I don't think they'll outright release him and not take a cap, you know, savings. Uh, my, my guess is they keep him with Pacheco or they find a trade partner. 
but then they have to go back into the into the uh, the offseason with an RB2 in mind because Jarek McKinnon is also a free agent. He's 30, going on 31. He posted 800 yards from scrimmage this year. I mean, this guy really resuscitated his career after some time in San Francisco, really figured out how to become that versatile number two option out of the backfield, which is really smart. You know, if you're not a three down running between the tackles type running back, you don't have to be, be out of the league in a year and a half. There are ways to become versatile. And I think he has brilliantly converted his career into becoming a really, really valuable piece. So there's a chance at 31 years old, he's back in this roster. Now, I don't think that's likely. And certainly it's at the minimum if it, if it happens. But that's the hole you kind of have to fill here. I, I don't know that you can count on Pacheco for 17 weeks with his slight frame and the way he runs. I mean, he's going to get banged up. It's just, a, I think, a fact of life. So they're going to have to add a piece. There's no question about that. Whether that's replacing CEH, whether that's using CEH for half season like they did this year, uh, there's at least one body, maybe two, to be added here via free agency in the draft. Same goes for the wide receiver room. Now, MVS kind of got ghosted down the stretch here, but there's no question he's got some value on this team. And at, and at three for 30, right, with $9 million next year, it's an $11 million hit. They can free up seven of that with a full base salary restructure. I think that makes sense. I mean, you're, you're nickel and diamond, some dead kept down the road here. He's a, he's a fixture. He's a fixture. And, and right now he's the number one option going into 2023. Kadarius, Tony, they brought over that rookie contract, that first round pick. It's got two years guaranteed left on it. And, you know, six months ago, that might've looked like, damn, how the hell are we going to get out of this? And that's just not the case. Right? The Giants, for whatever reason, couldn't make this work. And bailed on this guy two years into a rookie contract, a five-year rookie contract, because there's two years guaranteed plus a fifth-year option in 2025. That's what stands ahead here. And with the signing bonus proration off this contract now via the trade, this has unbelievable value if this guy can go out there and catch 30, 40 balls and be the primary returner on this roster. You know, they really plug some holes here with a simple fifth and sixth round pick trade here, or excuse me, a third and sixth. That's, uh, that's really strong value for a player that offers them now financial value for at least two seasons, maybe a third of the fifth year option is picked up. Uh, McCole Hardman is, is an unrestricted free agent, you know, wasn't a factor down the stretch with injuries and things like that. He's a $10 million wide receiver. It's kind of a Zay Jones type deal. We've seen a couple of these guys pop up in that regard. And I think that's right. The MVS contract basically models what I think McCole Hardman should get on the open market. But the real name here is Juju Smith-Schuster who had a great Super Bowl kind of rounded back into health right at the right time. You know, he wasn't available so much down the stretch in the playoffs, made himself available. You could see the relationship with, with Mahomes starting to pick up and, and, and gain some steam. I don't know why these two sides wouldn't just continue. I'll, I'll give you one good reason. He's probably a $15 million wide receiver elsewhere, right? If he heads off to the market and the Bears are looking at him, you know, you know the Chargers are looking at him to replace Keenan Allen, something like that. He's probably a $15 million wide receiver in, in the perfect but not contending situation. If he's going to stick here, and I think that's probably good business on his part, it's probably got to go down near the, the 11 or $12 million mark. He can probably be paid the highest of all these wide receivers because I think he's got the biggest ceiling here. Um, I mean, he turned a $4 million contract into $9.2 million after another $1 million bonus yesterday for winning the Super Bowl. So... It's not like he didn't earn every single dollar they offered him this year. You know, they, they tried to lowball this thing and 
for all intents and purposes, he maxed out every single incentive that was handed to him with the exception of last week because he didn't play 50% of the snaps. So basically, without even trying, this guy was a $9 million wide receiver for them this year. Can you bump that to 12? Yes. You, you can go three for 36 on Juju and keep him in the fold. I think that's probably about right. But like I said, somebody may come in swinging big because the wide receiver market is not the best. There will be some trade off offers out there. But for a player like this who hits the open market, this thing could drive into Christian Kirk territory pretty quickly, which is 18. And that's low now. You know, we know where this thing is. Tyreek Hill, the former chief, is at 30. So there's going to be bigger deals out there. Let's just put it that way. And, uh, if and, if and when he wants to stay here, most likely isn't going to get done at that kind of price tag. So three for 36 is probably about right. Tight ends are good to go. Travis Kelsey's you know, entering year four of six. There's a f- almost $15 million cap hit. I think my guess is they leave it alone. And with the intention of we're going to have to figure this thing out next year. Next year, it'll be two years left on the contract. He's going to be 33 is it a good time to maybe flip it into a smaller three-year version of a, a career-ending contract here? You got to start thinking about that with Travis Kelsey. Now, you could just keep him on this contract, and maybe he's already said out loud, I'm good with this, let's go, uh, which is ideal. And if that's the case, restructure this cap hit, push from dead cap down the line, and do your dirty business now. Noah Gray is right behind him. He enters year three of his rookie deal. Uh, I think he's going to be the number two going forward here, and this this room should be more than set. You bring in maybe a blocking tight end for uh, the vet minimum and, and go from there. The O-line's fun. <clears throat> this was, I think, the difference maker in this Super Bowl. And it was the problem a couple of years ago. So they've done a lot of work on this, starting with the center position and Creed Humphrey, the second rounder who was an all-pro, was the highest graded center in all of football, according to PFF. And uh, he's got two years, $2.5 million remaining on this rookie contract. My guess is that's going to change after next season when he becomes extension eligible and they have to give him one of the top of the market deals. But certainly that's a slam dunk. Joe Tooney on the left guard, that was a big old five-year, $80 million free agent contract. He has, has panned out here and uh, his 2023 is fully guaranteed and then he's year to year. So one more at least stuck year, then they can make some decisions on that. My guess is they take that fully guaranteed salary for next season, restructure it into a base salary conversion, opens up $11 million. So with him and MVS and Mahomes, we've already opened up ourselves 22 plus 27, almost $50 million on the dot with three guys. So anybody worried about Chiefs cap space stuff? I'm not even done yet with restructure options. There's plenty more here. Um, and look, we may get ourselves and they may get themselves to a point where they don't have to restructure Mahomes' roster bonus again this year, which is extremely ideal. You know, if you can keep the contract as intact as possible because it's so big and so long and there's so many elements to it, that's obviously better for the Chiefs. So if they can get themselves in a position where they have ample cast space to, draft, to, to sign their draft class, to make a couple of hole changes in free agency, you know, replace Frank Clark like we're going to get to in a second, things like that. Extend Chris Jones like we're going to get to in a second. I just think at the end of the day, you're going to have to, to, to convert that $34 million bonus. But we're finding pretty easily more money in the banana stand. Let's put it that way. Um, the, big, the two big issues on the offensive line. Left tackle Orlando Brown is a pending free agent. He played on the franchise tag this year. He had a great Super Bowl. 
I'll, I'll put it that way. I mean, he's they, that entire offensive line shut down a good, good, if not great defensive line for the Eagles that, you know, maybe was a bit overrated after seeing them yesterday, but they're good. There's no question about it. They're experienced and they're good. So he did his job yesterday. I, I thought it was an up and down season for him, especially with the, the high price tag. Another tag is almost 20 million. It's about 19.99, uh, which is 120% of last year's franchise tag. I think they, they start there. I think they at least offer the second tag to him. I'm not sure he signs it this time around, but I just don't know if there's 60 million guaranteed in his future on this team. I just don't know. You know, I'm reading the room with what happened last week, last year with Tyreek, with how they, they want to handle their business. Um, I think there are certainly you don't want to screw around with the blindside situation for Mahomes, And if he's happy, you know, if that conversation happens and, and he's happy with Orlando Brown's performance this year, then who am I to sit here and say he doesn't deserve the multi-year extension? Certainly, uh, that all has to be done in-house. Um, maybe, though, the compromise is we're not going to the top of the market. I know we gave up two firsts to get you. You know, uh, I know what 2021 looked like, which was outstanding, one of the one of the best tackles in all of football. So the ceiling's there. Uh, if everybody's happy, certainly it's easier to put this guy in a multi-year contract and have cap flexibility than dump a $20 million cap hit with the second franchise tag, but we'll see where this starts. I think over the next couple of days and February 21st is the official open of tag window. So we'll know in about a week here what the plan is for, for that left tackle situation, at least to get out of the gate and then right tackle. Andrew Wiley is a pending free agent. He uh, certainly outplayed his one year, $2.5 million contract this year. It was a very, very strong year for him. He's not, you know, 30 mid thirties. He's a 26, 28 year old, I believe. Uh, yeah, 28 and a half year old. So plenty of uh, of time left on his career. He played almost 92% of the snaps for right tackle for this team. Um, you know, he's not a top of the market right tackle, which is $19 million per year right now. Can you get this get buy back in the door at around six, seven million a year? I, th- I think you you have to be pretty pleased with the output you just had. And you tinkered a lot over the past couple of years. I wouldn't do too much tinkering here. I'd tinker in a couple of other areas, but I don't think I would do so here. I think a lot of things went well, and certainly with the system, these guys have it figured out. So somehow, some way, you're going to keep Orlando Brown on this roster, whether it's simple, whether it's complex. And if you can meet the price point for Wiley, who, you know, like, like I said, a viable experience right tackle hit in the market, that's going to go big. For some team, there's going to be one team out there making a nice sizable offer, the Steelers or the Bears or something like that, who certainly need help at the uh, across their offensive lines. But if this guy wants to stay in the fold, you know, is there a six or seven million per year contract that gets this done? It's possible. It's probably about where he values. He just hasn't been a top of the market type, produ- type producer, but there's a fit here. Let's flip the switch to defense. Um, Frank Clark, I mentioned it. They restructured his contract last March just to keep him in the fold. They had to they had to drop his cap it down to about thirteen million, and uh, that certainly freed up his ability to stick on this roster. But in doing so, they ballooned twenty twenty three over thirty million. It's like thirty point one five or something like that. It's huge. So I just don't know that he produced enough. I I am not inside that locker room. I have no idea what kind of intangible value he holds. I, my guess is it's pretty great. He's, he's been there. He's been a stalwart there for a while now. Um, I look around the room, you know, Kalen Saunders, the, the left defensive tackle is headed for free agency. He had a strong year. You know, he's going to command somewhere around that $10 million mark, in my opinion. 
and Chris Jones is heading into an expiring contract. Now you've got some value with Karloftis, the first rounder you took last year who posted six sacks. Uh, he kind of outplayed Frank Clark in and out this season. It was inconsistent from both of them, but look, Clark's a monster. If you he hits the open market, you're going to have Chandler Jones type numbers being thrown at him pretty quickly, if not more, because the edge rusher essentially is now a 28 and $29 million contract. So there's going to be big, big numbers thrown at him if he hits the open market. My guess is they have to get out of this contract one way or another. Uh, you can free up $21.1 million of cap space by just moving off this 2023 salary. And my guess is the plan is let's just rip this thing up and try to start over. And if somebody throws $25 million a year at you, God bless you, right? I, but again, I don't know what it looks like inside that room with this guy. It seems like the, the the monetary value didn't quite match the production in terms of the numbers and the stats. But this is a big, big question mark. Maybe one of the bigger question marks on this entire roster for 2023, starting with what do they do with the current salary? Do they just rip this thing up and, and allow him to be available? Or are they going to try to restructure it, keep him under contract, make sure he doesn't hit the open market because he's just too, too valuable to lose? I mentioned Chris Jones entering an expiring contract, set to make $20 million cash, which isn't the worst in the world. Uh, there's a world where Kansas City just lets him play this out. Now, the $28.3 million cap hit is a problem. So you might have to do a bit of restructure work there. My thinking is if you're thinking like that, just pay this guy. It's the right time. He's the right age. Uh, he certainly had another season that's worthy of this. And just get it done. He's 29 going on 30. You want to get this guy under contract before 30, in my opinion. You certainly don't want to let this guy walk. I don't think you want to get into a franchise tag situation with Chris Jones. Just from an, an optic standpoint, he's just too valuable. You know, he's just too darn valuable. He's one of the singular reasons you are here every year and this having this Super Bowl conversation. Uh, and he's he's mathematically a $30 million player, which that's very hard to do. It, it is very hard for our math to go that top of the market that that quickly. He did it, which means he's probably worth more. He probably should surpass Aaron Donald based on age and based on consistency. So there's a world where he's the highest paid defensive player in football in a couple of weeks here. But I do think that's a contract that should get redone. I wouldn't slow pay this thing. I wouldn't screw around with it too much. And if I had to choose, I'd take Frank Clark's contract, rip it up, take that cap space, and front load Chris Jones a little bit to make life a little easier for you in 2024. Moving along quickly here, the uh, secondary is probably the next area of concern, and it's not too crazy. Trent McDuffie certainly worked out as a 2022 first-rounder. Legereus Need really took some strides forward here. He was a slot cornerback that got thrust into a bigger role here, and he produced. Um because of the kind of back and forth career he's had here, he's headed to the open market, uh, excuse me, as an extension candidate here. Um, he's only got about an $8 million valuation in our system. I, I can't imagine that's where he ends up, though. I think after the 2022 season and, and teams and the Chiefs specifically seeing what he can be now, not just a slot cornerback, I think this is going to be a, an expensive, expensive player here soon. He lit it up. 108 tackles, three and a half sacks, three picks, and three forced fumbles playing 91% of the snaps. That was just a fantastic season. And then final question mark is kicker Harrison Bucker, who doinked a uh, field goal yesterday. He had his, uh, a career low 75% of field goals made, 92% of the PATs, which is about the league average there. But uh, that field goal number is definitely some concern. He's entering year five of a six-year contract. There's five, it's a $5.1 million cap hit. They can free up almost $3 million of that if they move on. Obviously, they'd have to have a replacement in, in place or at least in mind. 
but something to think about. Uh, he's been there for a while, but coming off maybe his worst field goal season of his career. That's the Chiefs. A lot of question marks. Starts at the top, of course. They're going to have to replace their backup quarterback. Chad Henney announced his retirement last night. But every single room at least has something to tinker with. There's no question about that. Some bigger than others, um, culminating maybe with what could be a blockbuster contract extension for Chris Jones. Let's flip the switch to Philly, who uh, who have plenty of their own question marks. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, they hit the cat the, the uh, off season here with about five million of top fifty one cap space. They hold the number ten and number thirty one picks in the draft, thanks to the New Orleans Saints and that Chris Olave move. There's uh, a lot of moving parts here. This was one of the bigger articles I had to do because there's just a hell of a lot of question marks. So. Again, the What's Next Philadelphia Eagles piece is now live on SpotDraft.com. I'm going to run through some of the highlights here. The notable free agents tell you kind of everything you need to know. Running back Miles Sanders, center Jason Kelsey, right guard Isaac Sumalo, and then basically the entire defensive line. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargave, Brandon Graham, you know, Derek Barnett's in this conversation. The, pretty much anybody worth any kind of value on this roster is, uh, is, a, is a wide open free agent here with void years to go. So... Linebacker TJ Edwards, who had a fantastic season in the middle of that defense, pending free agent. James Bradbury, the, the man of the hour last night with the uh, the holding penalty. He's a pending free agent. And Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, acquired from those Saints, um, had a phenomenal season, got dinged up a little bit. Six interceptions in 12 games, made some huge plays last night. Uh, he's going to be an expensive safety. Yeah, I think we've got him at about $15 million per year. But uh, those are, that's the list of names just hitting the open market, not, you know, with cap issues, not with extension problems. There's just a lot going on here, right? The quarterback room is the uh, 1A here. It's the, it's the top fold of the newspaper. He had a phenomenal game, maybe a historic game when you talk about overall production, Jalen Hurts. And he becomes extension eligible. Howie Roseman has not been shy. I told you he wasn't going to be. I told you there wasn't going to be any BS with this. He was going to walk out the door one day and say, we're going to pay this guy because that's what we do. We do not screw around with players of importance and positions of importance. And he's done plenty to deserve the contract extension that's about to come to him. My guess is it's going to be somewhere in the six-year, $300 million range, $200 million guarantee. You're going to have to surpass Kyler Murray. There's no question about that. There's not a world where Jalen Hurts walks off the field last night, win or lose, and says, well, I'll, you know, whatever you're going to give me, give me. No, it starts with Kyler Murray's contract <laughs> across the board. So uh, those are the numbers. That's just where we are in life. Now, you can structure that uh, as creatively as you can. And by the way, the Eagles will. There will be all sorts of caveats built into this sucker, option bonuses and signing bonuses out of the gate and plenty of workout bonuses. And they love their per gamers and, it's just going to be filled up with every caveat possible. But at the end of the day, and, and really for the headline on Twitter, it's going to look something like six years, $300 million. That's just where we're going to be. Miles Sanders, pending free agent, got dinged up early in that Super Bowl. It was a big factor. Uh, they could not run that ball. Boston Scott just isn't that kind of player. Kenneth Gainwell isn't either. They didn't have their slash and dash type guy. And boy, if they didn't realize how valuable he was to this roster throughout the season, they did last night. And... We've got him at about $7.5 million per year going forward here. There's going to be teams that will go over that. There's going to be a team out there, maybe even a really good contender, uh, maybe even the one down the road from me here that understands exactly that, the piece that they were missing. And it was that right there. It was the guy who could, you could hand the ball off. You could kill clock. You could possess time. 
and you could just run the thing down their throats. And uh, Sanders has been doing that for a long time. He's just shy of 26, so the age is right for a two-year guarantee. I think there's gonna there's a world where two for 20, two for 22 is is in play here. I don't know that he surpasses what Barkley gets and things like that, but I think he's that next tier down, and a lot of teams are going to be in, right? A lot of teams. Since he needs a running back, Buffalo needs a running back, Miami needs all the running backs, right? And these are playoff teams here. These are playoff teams in the AFC. So Philly's going to have their hands tight with this one, but I, I think his value was certainly maximized last night when, in his absence. The wide receiver room is pretty so- is pretty stocked. A.J. Brown obviously locked in year two of his $100, $100 million contract. Devontae Smith enters year three of his rookie deal, which means after 2023, he becomes extension eligible. Quez Watkins is still in, on a rookie contract in the final year of his rookie contract, uh, and Zach Pascal is headed to free agency. So they can... Add some depth, but they're pretty good to go. Dallas Goddard, tight end, also entering year three. He's fully guaranteed through 2023, so no need to work on it there. And, uh, you know, they could use a a tight end two or so. Similar situation, build for depth, not for power here. Um, But the offensive line gets fun. Uh, Jordan Mulata, the left tackle, enters year three. He's fully guaranteed. Played well enough to stick around at least for one more year. No question about that. The... Left tack, left guard situation, the right guard situation, definitely in flux. Uh, Dickerson probably sticks on a non-guarantee here. Jason Kelsey's the, the 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 massive, massive question, really, on this entire roster. You could talk about the defensive players I mentioned, and we will. But this guy's path forward is means so much because it's it's irreplaceable, as you know. You just don't when you get a guy like this, you keep a guy like this until he literally will not put the cleats back on for you, and that's certainly the case here. Um, he's got a fully guaranteed roster bonus. They restructured some things last year. Talk about creativity. They restructured some like things last year to keep him in the fold. Um, they made sure that 2023 had a salary. It's a, it's a fake voidable dummy, dummy year, but it's a real year so that if, and when he retires, they can keep this thing on the books until June 2nd, split up the dead cap. You know how this works now. Uh, so they, they did everything right in preparation of any of these options, including, throw in a $2.75 million guaranteed roster bonus in there for next season that basically says, Hey, you know, we're still, we're still willing to guarantee you some coin here, (laughs) you know, and we'll up that to 10 million if we have to. Um, But I think there's a solid chance he walks away, which is going to be a devastating blow for Jalen Hurts in this offense. Uh, I mentioned the right guard. uh, Samalo is headed for free agency. He's about a 12 million per year guard. So, uh, I don't know that the Eagles bring him back, but it's possible. I feel like that could be where one of those first round picks gets used, if not for a center, right? With Jason Kelsey's decision. And then we talk defense. Fletcher Cox, he's got void years. He's got that placeholder contract that Kelsey does in the event that he walks away. Javon Hargrave's the big one. Uh, he's 30 years old. He had 11 sacks this year. He's, he just continues to do this. He he outplayed his three for $39 million contract a long time ago. Let's put it that way. He's a $20 million player now. He's a $20 million plus for, uh, defensive tackle. He can move inside, outside. Uh, he's going to be highly, highly coveted if he hits the open market, and I believe he will outprice himself from this Philly roster. That's just my take on it. Uh, but I think there are greener pastures for him with big, big dollars. Brandon Graham probably, probably walks away. Uh, Again, that'll be a post-June 1st type thing. There's going to be a lot of 
holding the fork down until June 1st on this roster. And I, I kind of prepared you for this a couple of weeks ago when I started to look at this roster and realized, man, this is not a fully sustainable situation. It's just not. They're going to have to make sweeping changes defensively here just to stay relevant. And they will. You know, they're going to rebuild this defensive line. Certainly Josh Sweat's in the fold on a really nice contract. He'll be back. Derek Barnett has a uh, like a softy 3.1 cap at next year. He tore his ACL this year. I don't know. You know, that's a, that's another who knows on this situation. He's certainly a nice player, but uh, you know, do you take the chance on his recovery? Do you, do you keep him in the fold? Do you see what, what else you can find elsewhere? Can you replace four bodies at once? I'm not sure. Right. I'm not sure. Linebackers are in decent shape. Hassan Reddick had a monster season, 16 sacks, 49 tackles, five forced fumbles, just uh just an absolute monster coming over from Arizona. TG Edwards is the big name. Um, he's thrust himself into about 12 million per year on the inside linebacker market, which is now up to 20. So, you know, look out if somebody wants to overpay for a little bit more for the former undrafted free agent. Nicobe Dean was signed in the third round last year out of Georgia. We know what kind of player he can be. Uh, it might be his time. It might be just, we're going to let you walk Edwards and uh, it's going to be Dean's time to step into this role. So we'll see, uh, you know, another watching point on this defense. And then we flip to the secondary. I think Darius Slay probably sticks in his current contract, but if they want to lower this cap hit, which is 26.1, it's way up there. You know, instead of just restructuring, they could just flip this thing into a new two-year extension and, and really control some things with void years and bonuses and things like that. That's that generally how they operate. They generally don't just take a final year of a salary, rip it up with void years, and then let this guy walk away next year. Generally, they like to be more creative than that, especially for a guy who's 32. So you may see some more creative uh, accounting with Darius Slay, who's going to need some bank because he's still playing at a high level, even at that age. Bradbury's probably going to walk. He played on a showcase contract, $7.25 million this year. And uh, you know he's going to go up there and get 12 to $15 million per year, no question about that. Fonte Maddox should step back into that role next year. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was a huge acquisition. And uh, like I said at the top of this conversation, probably played himself in a like five for 70, five for 75 Marcus Williams type deal. Uh, he's that impactful. The Saints knew they weren't going to be able to pay that. That's why they traded him to the Eagles. And he was unbelievably impactful for the Eagles. So uh, I don't know if that's one of the big, big splash contracts they make to keep this guy in the fold. It's not the worst you know, decision you're going to make here if you've got uh, all these mouths to feed. But big, big numbers coming for him down the road. There's no question about that. So that's the Eagles. Starts with Hertz. Uh, I would imagine there's a Miles Sander conversation, though, you know, you can probably get cheaper at, at 80% of that production. And uh, then it's Jason Kelsey. And then that entire defensive line and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. That's sort of how I lay out the, the highlights of the Eagles coming this offseason. It's going to be explosive. You know, they could... They could look at what the Ram, what just happened to the Rams, which was we're going all in. And then year two was an absolute disaster. And Tampa Bay, year two was an absolute disaster. Do they want to be the next one to, to, to go down that route? That's sort of where we're going here. When you put all your chips in one basket, in a lot of cases, especially with the age and the and the contract situations with for the defense here, I'm just not sure they can run it back. You know, I think they have to be way, way more flexible and, uh, and conducive to change here. And that might mean stepping back a little bit, even though you're going to pay $300 million to your quarterback or, or lock in $300 million to your quarterback. You know, they shouldn't be, I think, super aggressive in trying to keep everything together. It's just not the right business move. They have to flex. They have to understand where they're weaker. 
They have to understand where they would be overpaying and losing so much value in some of these cases. And I, I think them taking a small step back next year to sort of retread is the right move. That doesn't mean they can't make the playoffs. I'm just saying, you know, don't go into this thing thinking you have to have the best roster in football in 2023. Maybe take a year off in that regard. Get yourself back in a gear in a couple of positions and then push back for 2024 and forward because you're going to have some time with the quarterback contract. There's no question about that. Derek Carr, the expected move, right? I, I took a lot of flack on this one for people saying, you know, he's the only quarterback available, blah, blah, Jimmy G's, blah, blah, blah. Somebody's going to trade for this guy. You know, somebody's going to look at 40 million over two years and say, that's fine. Derek Carr didn't think it was going to be fine. He, he was never going to think it was going to be fine. Derek Carr's little trip to, to New Orleans had nothing to do with the trade. And if you're reading into that, you're just naive. He's there negotiating his next contract, okay? The Saints want to sit down with this guy and know what's it going to take on the open market to bring you in. That's the only conversation being had here, all right? Now, they can frame that so for legal purposes and after we acquire you, what kind of contract would you require? Because we need to restructure some things and blah, 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 blah. Here's what happened. They talked to the Panthers, probably. They talked to the Saints, probably. They talked to the Jets, probably. They talked to the Commanders, probably. I'm sure the agent did the due diligence on every single team that needs a quarterback this offseason. And all of them now are aware of what Derek Carr wants. And it's not $40 million for two years. Let's put it that way. Okay? It's going to be more like $60, $70, 75000000 million for two years, guaranteed at signing. <clears throat> because why not? If the top of the market is going to be 50, and we're going to have four guys at 50 in the next couple of months. And that's probably where we're going with Lamar, with Herbert, with Burrow, with Hertz, and then, of course, with Rodgers. If we got five guys on 50 million per year, 35 million a year is now tier three, right? Tier three. So, of course, Derek Carr is going to go out there and say, look, I'll, I'll even lower my AAV from 40 to 35, but you're going to have to give me 75 million guaranteed at signing for two years. And then we can make the third year an option, or we can make a couple of years after that some fluffy, you know, some fluff. If you're not convinced that I'm your guy for more than a couple of seasons, or you're thinking about using this as more of a transition period to get to a rookie quarterback, lots of things in place here. My point is this it's Carr, it's Garoppolo, it's Mayfield, it might be Tannehill, it might be Lamar via trade, right? But it's just not a great situation for teams that need a quarterback, especially if you're not in the top five in the draft. And some of these teams are not. So you're going to have a team like the Saints be very aggressive. And we've seen them throw very aggressive contracts that, you know, didn't have the greatest guarantee structures in them. Obviously, Taysom Hill and all that. But at the final hour, that might be the best team for him, for Derek Carr. And that may be what that trip was about. I just want to see how this all looks and smells and feels. And then if you can meet my demands you know, 70, 75 over two, we're good to go. Cause now I get to pick and choose. And that was always going to be the case with Carr. Just, I'm just going to give myself the ability to pick and choose. It's not about sticking it to the Raiders who benched me so that they could move on from me. They did that not so that they could trade him, by the way. The Raiders are very aware that, they, that, that the chance of them trading him was less than 10%. The benching was that that $40 million had an injury guarantee. So then February 15th, when they go to release this player, they wouldn't be able to because that, all that money would be, would be guaranteed for injury. That's why you sit the guy. You're not preserving him like you, know, you, know, you would a basketball player approaching the, dead, the trade deadline. That's not what this was about. 
This is about making sure that $40 million didn't click in when they didn't want it to. Now they're going to move on from it. It's a $5.6 million dead cap hit. They free up a ton of money, 27 and change. So obviously that helps, but it leaves them very, very thin at quarterback with Jared Stidham and who knows. And I think Stidham might even be up for free agency here. So, you know, better back to square one. And is that square one going to be Aaron Rodgers? Is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo? I think they have an idea in mind and probably have done some wink, wink work behind the scenes here. But there's a, this is a situation, look, I, I don't like to sit here and, and demolish teams for, for decisions that were made or, or paths that were taken to get to where we are. I, I kind of understand this one wholeheartedly. And I laid it out on Twitter as best as possible yesterday. They basically gave this guy a $5 million raise last year. Now, they could have traded him last year. That would have been step one. However, Aaron Rodgers wasn't walking through that door last year. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo was available but was being nursed back to health. Wasn't the right time to give him the keys week one and say, take our team back to the playoffs. You know, it wasn't. So I I think they looked at their options and said, car's easily our best option here. That's just where this is going to go, you know? So they handed him a small raise, which looked like $121.5 million extension. It wasn't. It was a $5 million raise on a one-year contract with a huge out, which is where we are now. And if he rounds back into form, if he's Derek Carr of 2020, you know, 5,000 pass yards, whatever it looks like, especially with Adams in the fold, great. He's already in your term. You know, we got this guy under contract at 40 a year. You know, you know, we know where we're going after this. And if not, we chop it off and go from here. The chopping off is where we are. So could they have tried to trade him in 2022 or before 2022? Yes. And maybe they did. Maybe those things were out there. And teams like the Jets and whatever were, were at least considering it at that point. Denver at that point, right? But I think they looked around and said, we don't have a replacement and we have a good team and we've overpaid for a couple of situations. So we, we just need a, a good soldier here and an above average quarterback who can at least hold the fork down. Now, Card disappointed. I'm not going to not say that out loud. He disappointed this year. He was one of the reasons the Raiders were not in contention for that division and or the AFC. So all of this is the right move. I'm not going to kill the Raiders for not getting anything back for their quarterback. They won't get any, any draft capital, capital, and there won't be any, any compensatory draft picks because they're releasing him out of a contract. This is not an expiring contract where he goes to free agency and signs somewhere else. This is a street free agent situation where he's been being released out of a contract. So there's going to be nothing coming back here. Nothing. Except for a new quarterback. And uh, again, that's probably in the Garoppolo realm, but we'll see that in a month. What we'll see immediately is Derek Carr hit the open market. And that's the big point here. I say no at all these trades. February 15th, I am the big fish available on the open market. And any of these teams can negotiate and sign me immediately. That's, that's, that exclusivity is priceless for Carr. It really is. Especially now that he's been able to talk to some of these teams, you know, the Saints notably. So I expect this to be quick, dirty, and way more expensive than many of you think it's going to be. <laughs> all right? It's not going to be a blockbuster. But he's going to get his $40 million and then some. Let's just put it that way. He is not taking a pay cut to you know, not utilize a trade here and keep on this contract. He's going to be just fine, and uh, there will be multiple teams vying for his services. Okay, that's a wrap on the 2022 NFL season. We are officially in off-season mode. All 32 teams are there. We have plenty of off-season pieces on spotrit.com, including what I just mentioned, uh, the what's next Eagles, what's next Chiefs pieces. 
I'll continue to hammer these out. Um, you know, there's a lot of bills discussions, especially locally here with what could be changing. It could be a big off season here. And obviously these quarterback contracts that are coming, the Lamar situation is going to be back in our faces soon. Next week will be tag time. I guess as he gets that exclusive franchise tag, there'll be a lot to talk about there. And then it's tag and trade, tag and sign, tag and tag. What's going to happen with Lamar? We're back in that, you know, that, that conversation is back in our lives yet again for the third year in a row. And uh, I don't think this one's going to be simple. Let's put it that way. So plenty of discussions on that, but obviously pitchers and catchers report Wednesday, which is maybe the best news I've had in a while. <laughs> uh, we're back in baseball season mode. Cousin Dan has been working his tail off on a lot of these arbitration pieces and things like that. And we'll do our over-unders piece. We'll do our betting piece. We'll do plenty of pods here surrounding the baseball season. I do have an extension candidate um, article live on spytrack.com with some big boys, Juan Soto, Vlad Jr., Pete Alonzo, the likes. And uh, we'll see if any of those come to head before the April 1st start of the season. But baseball's back. So football's loss is baseball's gain. And uh, that'll be a big, big feature on the Spotrack podcast going forward. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spotrack podcast.